you went to you went, went to the library if you want to use the internet. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you didn't just you wouldn't hang out on the internet all the time. I mean, you had MySpace, but it wasn't like a, the feed, you know, mm-hmm. the trough right. that Facebook is or Twitter. <laughs> the fire hose. You know, you went to MySpace <laughs> to kind of give people a introduction to whom you who you were and what your interests were, you right. know, and that's it. You know, right. and you had your top eight, and somebody, yeah. you know, stood you up. You took them out, put them back in. <laughs> you were, know? You, were you a vindictive top eighter? <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, sometimes I have a top 12. Yeah. Sometimes you have a top four, you yeah. know. You need to let people know where they stand, you know. That, those are the innovations. That's then, when you got the call, like, though. Yeah. That's when you got, the, that was a real, real friendship, because that's when you got the call. Hey, Jill, oh, do you want to go hang out maybe Waffle House, get a couple? See, bitches tried to try, because they wanted to be in top eight. Now motherfuckers ain't got to try. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had people ask me why I removed them from the top eight. Oh, yeah. Like, which was amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was back when, man, people don't know about the wild, wild west we was living in. This is Nashville Demystified. I am Alex Steed. Nashville Demystified is a show in which I get to know the city better by talking with the folks who live, work, agitate, and make art here. Today we talk with Lauren L.G. Gilbert, the front woman of Thelma and the Sleaze. Nashville Demystified is made possible by Knack Factory, a video and content production house with offices and production facilities here in the city, and by We Own This Town, a collection of podcasts produced by Nashvillians, you might want to check out the show Thick as Thieves, which is on the network. It's a podcast about art crimes. Art crimes. Nothing better. (laughs) No better crime, as far as I'm concerned. Two quick notes before we begin. One, I'm still working on putting together the storytelling event series Mortified uh, for a Nashville event kickoff. We'd really like for you to be a part of it. Go to mortified.com. Actually, that's not true. Go to getmortified.com. Click participate, and when you submit, select Nashville as your city. I would love to see you there. And thanks to everyone who listened to last week's show, uh, which was about the infamous nun bun, the Mother Teresa bun that was found at Bongo Java. Thanks to everyone who was in touch about your theories about what happened to the bun. A lot of you think that it was an inside job. Maybe we'll do a follow-up at some point. Quickly follow us on all of the social media. We are on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, on Facebook for some reason still. Um, even though that's a, that's a nightmare pile of vomit. Um, maybe we should figure out where else we should be on the internet. But follow us in those places. And uh, if you can, subscribe to Nashville Demystified uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. So Thelma and the Sleaze, for those not in the know, is an all-female queer Southern rock band that's been around for nearly a full decade. Uh, While singer and band Center of Gravity LG doesn't live in Nashville, she lives in Alabama, as you'll hear here, she long lived in Nashville, and the band has deep roots here in the city. I'm very late to the party. I found out about them uh, not long ago when Jasmine Kasich posted a video of them performing and I saw it and got excited in the way I got excited about things as a teenager. It just looked like it was pure fuck you energy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I asked what it was in case it said that they were the best uh, band performing in Nashville today, which is a hell of an endorsement. Thumb in the Sleaze has a number of records out, uh, but right now they're touring around and supporting their album, Fuck, Mary Kill, which I think I refer to uh, in this interview as Fuck, Murder, Kill, at least once, if not uh, several times. So I accept responsibility for this bad, my bad. I'm sorry, LG. But to my credit, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a room with LG, but she is an absolute force, and it's hard not to feel and act like an idiot in the presence of this level of uh, stardom. You know, <laughs> this person is just an absolute ball of wild, uh, amazing, charismatic energy. And honest to God, I don't say so facetiously. It was difficult to keep level-headed. She's so fucking cool. But we made it through. I won't talk too much more because LG uh, does enough here to represent herself in the interview. I mean, she really goes there, and it's fantastic. She's nothing short of a, of a poet, for sure. You're in for a treat, my friends. Buckle up. Okay, so you came here and you like there was it was it was accessible and you could play. Yeah, I mean there were like three schools that I was looking at: Miami, Nashville, and New York. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not living in New York. Too many fucking rats. Yeah, <laughs> not living in Miami because I like to wear too many clothes. At the time, I was a lot chubbier. Now yeah. I would love Miami because yeah. I'm like I would just walk around bikini all day, looking at babies on the beach, you know. <laughs> But so Nashville seemed very approachable. But yeah, I I moved here and then I was going to audio engineering school and I was just kind of finding myself, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I was a small town girl, you know, just got sober, loved playing music, I've always loved playing guitar and writing songs and performing. And I wanted to have a real good grasp on what that meant in a studio to save money and time and maybe make extra money that way, you know, doing sound, which all of those things have come to fruition. And so that was worth my time to do and I found Riot Girl and I found Bitch Rock and I found Slater Kenny and you know I I just I wish I hope that children still have this experience but it was really great because those things were like so eye-opening you know for me I was like wait I'm I've always played music I've always been in bands since I was a kid I had bands in high school and I was always doing that and being like fuck dudes and we'll go we'll play the shows and I'll just be all you know and I didn't know that this whole you know the only thing I had ever seen was you know the kind of the 90s alt front women like Dolores O'Riordan from the Cranberries uh Tanya Dunnelly from the uh Belly the Breeders those Mm -hmm. kinds of bands and I knew but they all seemed very commercial you know and they didn't have like a clear narrative or like you know like fight you know, ideal, you know, and so to have, like, to finally have access to all those bands, that was, like, mind-blowing. I was like, oh, shit, like, what I do is political. Right. What I do is, even if you're, like, I I used to date a girl who was in a punk band in Nashville, and she was like, 
she would ne- she's like Dolly Parton. She's like, I'm not a f- really a feminist. I just do what I do the best I can do it, and you, sh- you have to let me because I said so, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it was like, you know, but for me it was like I want to make it about that, you know? Like I want, I want to do that because it's, yeah, it's like it was just eye-opening. It was just a real like, oh, shit, yeah, this is political. Even when you're not trying to be political, it's political. You right. know, just the fact that I'm taking ownership over this space. And that was huge. And also, I was never a conventional guitar player. I never learned theory or, you know, I just do what I want until it sounded cool. Mm-hmm. And so to hear other bands do that, that was really eye-opening. Like Slater Kenny, there's nothing sensical about the way they play. It's all, you know, Corinne plays a baritone and Carrie has all these fucking, it's almost rhythmic parts. And then it's like, it's old school shredding. Then it's like punk. She's a lot, so many different things that she pulls from so it was so cool to hear like oh you don't have to just like play the way everyone else plays you can do your own fucking thing and that was really important and it led me to where sitting here in my band because I went to the Slater Kinney show at Mercy Lounge like in 2000 and probably five six maybe Mm -hmm. and I met like who everyone who ended up being all my friends (laughs) you know what I mean for the next 14 years and you know it's been it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were you listening to before that? The classic Midwestern. Where are you from? I'm from Maine. Oh, well, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about that. But where I come from, which is Iowa and uh, Illinois, uh, that's where I went to high school. So that's where I say I'm from. But yeah, we listened to new metal, right. Tool. Oh yeah, of course. System of a Down, Same. Slipknot. Kitty, big yeah. band back in the day, Cold yeah. Chamber. Yeah. You know, that's and big truck. The first thing I did when I got like a good check from babysitting when I was like in eighth grade was I bought myself like fucking Jim Morrison shirt where he had like ten arms <laughs> at the Walmart. Then I got myself Janice Joplin. The first th- three CDs I bought like in high school were or middle school were Janice Joplin, The Doors, and Zeppelin. Right. You know, we listened to that shit. Me and my friend Samantha used to get so high. And just listen to fucking, you get so high, you're fucking laughing at everything, you know? It was yeah. so great. It was a great time to be alive. But yeah, you just listen to fucking, I have, I've always hated Pink Floyd, but yeah. yeah. And the doors, I can't stand them now, but, and Led Zeppelin, it's like, fuck, fuck Jimmy Page. Fuck, fuck, fuck Jimmy Page. <laughs> I hate Jimmy Page so much, but I love John Bonham. Right. And Robert Plant's cool. Like, I fuck with him. <laughs> you know? Why fuck Jimmy Page? Because motherfucker can't tune his guitar and it pisses me off. <laughs> and people are like, oh, he's, like he has to watch this Led Zeppelin reunion from like 2010. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, stoked. You know, Robert Plant's really giving it a go. John Bonham, like, same day, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jason Bonham, like, a little, little broy, a little bit more broy than his dad. And he drank a little bit more booze, but he was in it. And Jimmy Page come out here playing fucking Mary Had a Little Lamb out of tune on his fucking Dan Electro. Like, and then my friend was like, oh, it's Dan Electro. It's like, it's bad. I'm like, Jimmy Page has more money than fucking the whole country of fucking Costa Rica. I think that motherfucker can afford a setup. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't be a bitch. Because, like, you know, it's like, and then he, he wants to wonder why nobody wants to play with him. Like, he's like, I don't know why we don't talk. I'm totally down. I'm like, because you're a fucking dick, dude. Tune your guitar. <laughs> Doesn't he live here? Does he live here? Or is it Ro- Robert, Robert Plant? Plant. Lives Robert Plant lives here. Yeah, okay, I think cool. he lives here sometimes. I think he lives in this neighborhood. He lives like around Fuck the corner. Yeah. Rob, <laughs> I see what you're doing, man. Fuck Jimmy Page. <laughs> Fuck that dude. 
<laughs> I think it's a sloppy guitar player. People get really mad when I say that. But I think there's ways to be good sloppy mm-hmm. and that's hot and sexy and endearing. And I think there's ways to be a dick sloppy. And I think Jimmy Page is dick sloppy. Yeah. Like, I'm good sloppy. I'm yeah. not, like, a great guitar player in any, like... I am a fucking great guitar player. And I'm a woman, and I need to say that because it's true. Mm-hmm. But... And that's important. But also, it's like, I'm sloppy. But I'm like Eddie Van Halen sloppy, sexy sloppy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think sexy sloppy is a fucking fantastic model yeah. for your whole situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You it's, know? Like your, it's like your mission statement. It's charming, yeah. Well, actually, you know, we are a fucking tight band. We're right. a very tight band. Right. And I I give anybody $100 fucking dollars right now, they could play a Thelma Sleeve song the way we do it. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's what we do. We, you know, there's a lot of intention and there's a lot of effort behind what we do. And I think that's what people, when they actually stop and look and listen to what we're doing, realize. But mm-hmm. they don't. They're just, you know, which is fine. But, yeah, there's not, there's not, it's when, it's when you, you, you can let go and you have that uninhibited nature that you can find, like, the most rock and roll things. So it's important not to take yourself too seriously. I I am new here, so I'm new to a lot of the things that are happening mm-hmm. here. And so I, I saw you through videos that Jasmine Queso was sharing. And, yeah. and I reached out and was like, this is awesome. What is it? And she's like, this is the best band in Nashville. Aww. And uh, um, I would, I mean, you you guys are, you're a force. Like yes. you're, I mean, <laughs> you're not, It's not just through mm-hmm. the, the, the quality of the music that I've heard. I mean, I feel like overall, like you're a scene. Yes. Has that developed over time or did you know what that was from the get-go? I mean, we've been doing it a decade, yeah. you know, and I've had, you know, I think 13 or 14 members at this point, you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the mantra has always been the same. The intention's always been the same. And I have to keep it that. I've thought about changing it, but then I realize how important it is, you know, because I'm a disruptor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, that's important. And, unfortunately, women all playing music together is still a novelty, which yeah. is very strange. Yeah. You know, and must really piss John Jett off. But, you know, it's sad. Um, and, yeah, so I guess I don't really even do it for myself anymore. I kind of do it for the pups mm-hmm. coming up. So, because I, I don't even want to tell you how many people bite my shit. They bite my shit all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Bitches in Nashville bite my shit. And there's only three bitches in Nashville I fuck with. Yeah. Lily Hyatt, Amy Darling, Becca Mankari. Yeah. That's it. The rest of these hoes can take a walk. It's a good crew. Because they bite my <laughs> shit, and they don't say nothing. I would say Bird Cloud was my number one, but they're not a band anymore. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like they bite my shit, and it's fine. But, like, it's like I I stand as an example of what you can do if you work really hard, and everyone tells you no, and nobody ever gives you anything, and you still fucking <laughs> get up every morning, you chug some dirt, and you get to fucking work. And you don't have to do it the best, but you do it better than everybody else, yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's just what it is. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm an addict. I'm a drug addict, yeah. and this is my drug. Yeah. It's adrenaline. It's dopamine. It, it gets injected into my body every time I walk out on stage and get to raise hell Yeah. in a legal fashion. Are you still sober? Yeah. Right on. I have uh, seven years. Whoa. In September? That's fantastic. Is it, wait. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, seven years. <laughs> I totally forgot. It was my uh, seven-year sobriety on September 11th. Oh, right on. Yeah, right I'm not on. in the program anymore. 
Yeah, but you're not doing it and you're taking care and doing no. all that. Yeah, you're you're rocking and rolling. I have a French <laughs> occasionally. I'll have a, a pole of a J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to be feeling very safe, like two or three times a year. Yeah, for sure. I had a couple more last year, but I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling pretty sassy. Yeah, yeah. well, that's awesome. And, and I have to be careful, though. I can't physically take the pole. Oh, right. No. Right. Isn't that funny that how much physicality is a part of the whole mm-hmm. thing? It's almost like a um, well, like no, non-drug addicts are always like wild. You just take the joint, and I'm like, and I can't. No, I can't. But if I breathe it in, it's fine. So with, yeah. you know, whiskers or snowflake will blow it yeah. in my mouth. Well, it's funny that the, so the guy who produces this podcast network. I do it weekly. I'm the only one who does it weekly. And he's like, you know, you could do it every other week. I'm like, I, you don't understand. I can't. Yeah. Like, I do this weekly. If I don't do it weekly, it'll not happen or exactly. it'll happen. Yeah. Because yeah. I am an addict. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People don't understand. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, when you go out on tour, what is that scene like? Like, what is life on the road like for you? It's, uh, it's a lot of work. Mm. You know, I, we tour in a Honda Odyssey. Uh, I'm the only one who drives. Uh, I book all the shows for the most part and mm-hmm. make the merch as much as I can and do all those things. So I work. I'm at work. You mm-hmm. know, bitches try to holler at me. I'm like, bitch, I'm at work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Act right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but Is that a t-shirt yet? Bitch, I'm at work. <laughs> it should be. <laughs> That's a good one. But no, I mean, I just I'm I'm working. I'm blessed. I get if I get to wake up and play rock and roll, I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my whole that's my function. I think I'm the best at what I do. Uh, so yeah, I take a lot of pride in it. So I try to do I do it. I mean, we wake up ten, I get these bitches out of bed. You know, go downstairs, have my my coffee and my cigarette, yell at them till they come downstairs, load the van, drive. You know, hopefully under six hours. Hopefully. Um, and then park, load out immediately, get the shit inside, tell the bitches they got like X amount of time before sound check or whatever. Then we do our sound check. Then I, you know, usually will like, you know, Instagram or be a dick or do something stupid. Try to like, you know, sometimes the girls are like, Jesus Christ, LG. But it's like they don't understand that that's how I stay up. Right. You know, I'm like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> you know, they're like, when does she ever turn off? But it's like, if I turn off, then I'm off and I'll, <laughs> then I'll fall right to sleep. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, it's like, you know. And then, yeah, we play. I run directly off stage and, and hit merch, which kind of scares people sometimes because they're like, fuck yeah. And then they turn around, I'm like, what can I get for you? <laughs> We don't have XL, but you look great in large, yeah. you know? We have so many mediums. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, usually I load out. We do a double, make yeah. sure everything gets out of the club. You know, our van's so small that if we have a space open, we know why something's missing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, then, yeah, just get to wherever we're fucking staying. We don't get a lot of motels or hotels because I am a, a germaphobe, yeah. and yeah. I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, the next day we do the same thing. That's about it. I, you know, if I'm lucky, maybe a little pretty thing. So say something to me, do something nice, give me a little wink, you know, make an old lesbian feel special. (laughs) But overall, no, it's, yeah, it's pretty much just, you know, I just feel very fortunate because my fans are real fans. I don't have scene. There's no, like, scene for me to exist in, you know, because I'm not, like, douchey like submissively like skank rock and roll enough to be in that crowd and I'm not like you know like 
you know, H&M model, Dutch boy catalog, like, mm-hmm. like douchey, surfy rock, like, to be in that crowd. Right. So it's like I really have to have real fans. And I do. They're great. <laughs> but they're not cool. Like, my fans are dorks. They're, I love them, but a lot of them are dorks. They're freaks. They're what rock and roll was built on. You right. know, they're nerds. They're, you know, they're weirdos. It's, it's awesome. You're, you're, do you, are you aware of how you are from the outside? Like, uh, like and how sometimes. did that person happen? It's just always been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see, I see, I, you know, I did a podcast mm-hmm. and I really was like, I laugh at myself a lot. Right. I was literally talking to myself the entire podcast, but I was like, mm-hmm hilarious mm-hmm. and I'm like that's is that psychotic <laughs> but no I, I am aware and it isn't it's a persona I mean when I'm at home I'm definitely like a different person and I'm alone a lot and so when I get turned on I'm really on you know but yeah I it's just a you know it's just a, yeah I, I've seen some of the shit some of the shit I say but it's like you know yeah, I, I'm always a little. Sh- I'm as shocked as you are. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm. I were your were your parents in music at all, or were, no? They, is my this, grandpa was. Is this an anomaly? No, yeah. no, my grandpa was. Really? What kind? A country bluegrass. Yeah. Right. On. Yeah, he was like he looked like Elvis. He played stand up bass. Yeah. He said he played stand up bass for Elvis one time, but we don't know. Is he tall, like a big guy? Handsome. He yeah. was. He passed away. Yeah. He's tall and handsome. Right on. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. I sort of feel like it's like almost like bass players are like a certain That's why kind of when I saw you, I was like, look how tall and handsome you are. I just, <laughs> I love talls and handsome men. I'm always like, I'm a gay, I'm gayer than the gayest bitch. I'm gay if Ellen is on an Olivia cruise eating somebody's pussy. That's how gay I am. It's triple gay. Like every time, I, if I had a boner, I have lady boners, but we won't talk about that. But yeah, I, I'm super gay, but when I see tall and handsome, I'm like, oh, Grandpa, is tall and handsome? <laughs> you know, because you remember being this big right, and just course. seeing him and thinking, my Grandpa's the handsomest Grandpa I ever was, yeah. you know? They're like superheroes. Yeah. Uh, You're like, oh. Miss him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But yeah, no. Um, no, my Grandpa was a uh, built guitars, played guitar, and he would give you one. He'd give you a shitty one to start out. He said, I won't play. You know, he gave us all one, you know, mm-hmm. instrument, you know, but... If you kept up with it, you got a, a, nice, a nicer one. You kept up with it, you got a little bit nicer one. Really? You know? Yeah. Until yeah. he went broke, and then, you know, you just kind of took what you get. But <laughs> Exactly. Until he went broke and giving everyone instruments. Yeah. <laughs> but he was, uh, yeah, he was super supportive over that. And um <clears throat> Girl, you have to stop. You know, my nuts, woman. No, no, no. No. LG's responding to a, or is looking at her phone. <laughs> Someone's being possessive. Okay. And we haven't dated for three months, so there's really no reason for that. But she can sniff it. She knows. Yeah. She knows I got eyes for somebody else. Oh, oh yeah. 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 You know, when I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, she know. She know what's going on. Yeah. It's almost like a spidey sense. Oh, yeah. It's just, well, it's a vagina sense. But yeah, you know <laughs> Maybe it happens in the balls, but for us, it's the tickle. And they know. This hoe's got plans. She's been making her bangs look real nice lately. <laughs> do you, do you, um, so you, so when you grew up and you, you know, you had a grandfather who was showing you, showing you that he this He didn't was actually teach me that much. 
Yeah. <laughs> he but just he gave showed, me the guitar. He showed you that humans do this. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's what captivated me was right. that as a very kind of rambunctious child that was really only focused on sp- like I could focus during sport. Mm-hmm. I could focus during like you know like when I was the center of attention in a room. It was it was great, but then I realized I thought him play and I would just sit. Right. And I would just watch, and I was like, whoa, this is powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have that kind of presence, that's really cool. I want that kind of presence. I want to be able to sit and play music and for people to just, you know, watch. Yeah. So that's what he did for me. He yeah. gave me that sense of, like, oh, even if you're crazy, you'll sit still. Someone's real good at this. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. right. And yeah. were, you, were you encouraged to do that when you were in high school or discouraged? Like, was that like a place that you, did you play well, music to like, get away? Well, from the as a woman, you're discouraged yeah, of from doing anything. Um, so, yeah, like, I, uh, I was definitely like, I think people were like, oh, she's good at writing. So she writes her little songs and it's fun. But no, I was a hell, I mean, it was a small town girl in Iowa had fiery red hair, kiss <laughs> platforms. You know, I go to the thrift store, sack sale, get myself like the... The Gloria Vanderbilt flares and right. like a little little league shirt and just like a studded bracelet, you know, and walk through. The, I look like something out of Daisy Confused. Do you mind if I ask how old you are? Thirty four. Okay, so we're around the same age because everything <laughs> yeah. you're describing sounds like a familiar scene. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, and you was just kind of like so. I was kind of people talk about coming out as gay and having trouble with it. I mean, I grew up in Iowa, and when I was like, I'm gay. People said something. I'm like, say it again. I'll come at you. You know, because I I sell weed. I play rock and roll. I was cool. Right. You know, I'll kick your fucking ass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which is why, yeah, some people find it hard to talk to me. Yeah. And I've really tried to be better at it. But yeah, but yeah, no, it's, um, no. I mean, I, I be, people were discouraging, like, in a sense, like, oh, women can't do this. This isn't for girls to do. But ever, like I said, ever since high school, I was just like, no, this is what we're doing. And if you want to hang out, you have to be cool. Right. And if you're not cool, you fucking leave. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, it's, I think a lot of performers have trouble eventually with the idea that they have to be something for everybody they, or they, they have no. to fight that instinct. It sounds like you yes. have not dealt with the struggle with that. No. Last year, I really, like, got it. I was like, oh, good. Not everybody likes them in the cities. Like, this, this isn't for everybody, you know? It's not supposed to be. It's rock right. and roll. Thank God it's not for everybody. If I was... <laughs> Completely listenable and completely standable, that would be terrible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So great. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, and there are a lot of people who are that and, like, no one cares. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Lily Hyatt earlier. and I, bad bitch. Oh, my God. I just saw her for the first time the other day. Yeah. And it was, like, a spiritual experience. Yeah. She, you know why? Because she's a real bitch. She's not just faking it like a lot of these hosts. She seems know? like she's from another dimension in the most positive way possible. Well, she's, she's – what I think – I think is – great about people who are from another dimension it's really just that they're like present right right, right you know what right, i mean right, totally. because <laughs> our dimension is distracting and there's a and she's aware and she absorbs and oh, she can project that out and that to me is like you know that's the most real that's the most present right. and i think it can make you be more present and yeah. that's what's really cool that's well, such a good way to put that well yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I don't like anybody's music, but if right. somebody, you know, turns me on, I always try to figure out why. Right. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, but, and if they're doing that and they're occupied also, with themselves, they're not taking Bitches in Nashville is like fucking competitive. Yeah. And it's stupid. And like, we got to stick together. Mm-hmm. 
you know, especially us women. Is that new or has that always been no, the case? No, well, I think the nature, the commer- like the way that music has been sort of uh, monetized and you know the the with the ease that so many artists are just kind of stepping into their their bands their com- you know category bands right. um i think that has just led a lot of people to just i don't know like i can i'm not going to because you know i personally like i kind of have done it to a fault been really supportive of other people who don't necessarily return the favor but i will say that there are certainly some hoes in this t- town that they take every opportunity to talk shit, you know, and, you know, they may not say names, but you know the fuck they're talking about, you know, yeah. and it's just such, it's just such a waste of time and energy, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like so much of what we do as women is so hard, and so, you know, men, you would never understand, you never understand it, mm-hmm. what it's like to literally have a football player in cleats walking on your ovaries once a month, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Right. You would never understand that. You know, you never understand what it's like to walk into a bar and automatically have people assume you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right. You never have that. You walk in a bar just like that, people be like, hey, yeah, we got rockers in here tonight. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. To have done that a thousand times, even though you've established yourself, you've worked your ass off, you do everything. You know, I've played a thousand badass shows. I've played shows, a thousand shows that people would love to just play one of. You know what I mean? I've played some fucking bangers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um... And, yeah, it's just, like, I mean, to have to walk in and still prove myself is just because I have a fucking vagina, a beautiful vagina that houses people, (laughs) that literally incubates humans. (laughs) Facts. And then I produce the fucking food Mm -hmm. that feeds you for the first two years of your life, and you're going to act like I'm not capable? Go fuck yourself. It's insane. It's it's baffling. How but how does that and all that is right right on but like how does that translate into the competitiveness between I just especially to like me it like just pisses artists. me off that you have to go through that as women. You still have to go through that and and then you have to deal with women fucking coming at you on the like at each other. That's right. what upsets me is that we still have to go through all this shit and all these bullshit expectations and all this crap. And then you're gonna have women coming at your f- shit. You know what I mean? And biting your shit and talking shit whenever they get a chance to talk shit. Like, that's so upsetting. Because we're in this shit together. And, like, if we don't have our each other's backs, you know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to have our backs, you know? And and the fucked up part about it is women are so smart and so powerful. If they all came together and fucking own that shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'd run this shit. Right. You know what I mean? You can trace just about, I mean, uh, you know, I mean... Pff- you know what I mean. Is is all that stuff things that because you talked about getting into Riot Girl in the the earlier internet time for you, is all that stuff that did that stuff become evident when you started to look into that world or was that evident beforehand for you? What do you mean? Like the the, the competitive nature. Or? Well, just just the fact that it's like like to, to me in a lot of ways like Riot Girl was defined by and like years ago I had the great pleasure of uh, interviewing Johanna Feynman from from La Tigra and it, it, like it blew my mind that these were real people because they were so far away from me in Maine. Yeah, you know what I mean. But what what became evident at, at, at like looking into that world was like 
these were people who are like, look, we do need to stick together. We need an ethos in which, like, if we're going to make stuff, we need to make it together. We need to support yeah. each other. Was that the first time finding those bands that you were like, we need to stick together here? Or was that evident to you beforehand? No. I've always, I've, I just, I don't know what it is. I've just, you know. I just always felt like it was a necessity. I guess it was ingrained in me somehow. But yeah, I've always felt like I've always recognized that women have a nature, a really competitive nature, and I've always recognized that people know how to manipulate that and turn us against each other. And I also recognize that, you know, like, yeah, like, there's no way out if we don't lift each other up. You know what I mean? And, you know, I mean, that could be said for a lot of things. But, I mean, in the industry, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's it's crazy, but I kind of behind every hit, it's, it's not even about a man. It's like if you look at like half century, you know, behind every hit, there's a woman, you know. I mean, it's crazy. But, yeah, it's, you know, and, you know, I still obviously think that, you know, black women in, you know, music have it a hundred times harder than me. So I don't talk about how I feel very often, right. you know what I mean? But uh, because it's, you know, but at the same time, you know, they've they've had a huge part in, like, every shift in mainstream mm. music culture in the last, you know, half century. So it's hard to, yeah, it's hard for me to, like, be upset. But it's, yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, I think I, think I just was, like you said, in bands in high school, and I recognized right away that, like, you know, people were trying to make it a competition and trying to compare me before I even, like, played a note mm -hmm. to, like, dudes or other girls. Or it wasn't just, like, I could just show up and play like a dude probably does. You know what I mean? It was, like, right. automatically a competition. And it was, like, what? And it's, like, luckily I'm a lesbian and I love competition, you know? Because <laughs> I'm sure if I was a straight woman, I probably would have given up a long time ago. But, you know... I'm a fucking dyke, so I'm like, all right, let's play softball, you know? You yeah. <laughs> won't make it happen. Let's do it. You know, but, yeah, it's it's interesting. You have a new record. Yes. Tell me about it. Um, it's called Fuck, Mary Kill. <laughs> why, why? 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 Outside it's, of that just being an ingrained <laughs> idea in all of us. <laughs> well, truly, yeah, no, that's why I named it this. I mean, I was I was going to call it Bras and Blazers. Oh, cool. <laughs> because it was a grown folks record, and I wanted it to kind of be like, oh, Thelma Sleaze has kind of gotten their, their, their you know, middle-aged sexy on, you know? Mm -hmm. But then I was, like, writing the record, and I saw the songs, and I was like, Jesus, fuck. Like, every song I write is either about... Wanting to fuck, fucking, or some unobtainable woman that I just was, you know, want to be with forever, or like wanting to kill someone. Yeah. So, fuck, marry, kill. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. How do you feel about it being out now? Like how? Like it's great. Yeah, you know, like I said, rock and roll should not be for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you can stand in a room with people and they're all like, "This is cool," yeah. like. <laughs> Your your everyone this is cool face is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> profoundly off putting. 
<laughs> so sorry. It is. That's how I fucking feel yeah, when I'm there. I'm like looking around like, ugh. <laughs> um, but that's also why I can't live in Nashville anymore. But yeah, it's like, you know, um, you know, I mean, it's not meant to be. It's not for everybody. And, you know, obviously my shows are a safe space mm-hmm. and like everyone should be able to be there and be welcome and and have you know, that experience, but, like, no, my songs don't make sense to everybody, and my, my mantra doesn't make sense to everybody, and what I do doesn't make sense to everybody, but that's, you know, that's because it's for freaks, it's for queers, it's for weirdos, it's for assholes, it's for losers, it's for, you know, that's what rock and roll's for. It's yeah. for those people to, you know, feel empowered and have a sense of identity and to, you know, be related, relatable, and that's, that's what it's for. Rock and roll... You know, this homogenized, monetized, sexist, machismo fucking bullshit that happened 30 years ago that people are still trying to fucking do with their paisley scarves and fucking Bono sunglasses. This is the worst fucking crap. I wish I could burn it all down. You know what I mean? But when you walk into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they have a fucking, you know, uh, New York Dolls drum skin, you know, displayed with a woman's fucking legs spread right in the middle of fucking, you know, you think to yourself, is it is this even worth it anymore? Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, why is this motherfucking shit in a case? It should be, you know, in a fucking garbage can. But, you know, because got little girls walking through here mm-hmm. looking for a familiar face and you got fucking bitches' legs spread on a fucking drum skin. Like, it's fucking deplorable. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's sad, but that's great. So what I do isn't for everybody, and that's what I realized last year before I made this record. And I think that's why this record is my best record, because I wasn't trying to make something that anyone else could listen to except for people who like Thelma and Sleaze. Yeah. And it's great. And it's my best one. And I and as a woman, I didn't realize how much I had compromised in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, But I came in like a reservoir dog on this fucking record. I was like, no. This is what I want. This is what I want. No. No. You know? And it's crazy because I've I've always thought it was fairly uncompromising. But no. I had really fucking let a lot lot of people have license and and liberties and ideas and egos. And, you know, it's hard for a woman in this industry to just say, this is what I want and I want to do it like this. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's hard. And people are always going to tell me, no, that's not how you know. And that just is real. I was like, who knows how to make a Thelma Sleaze record better than me? Because there's never been a Thelma Sleaze records. I'm the little person to make those. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make the best ones I know how to make. That's it from now on. And that's what I did with this record. And I, that is the value of this record. It's not whether or not I got a million new fans. It's not whether or not we, you know, I always sell out of my albums. I'm not fucking worried about it. What for me is the most valuable thing about this album is the process. I learned how to write. I learned how to, in a way that is, con, you know, constructive and like, you know, actually functions to be put on a record. And then I learned how to kind of try the songs out, you know, at shows and really like get a vibe for what's going on and what needs to change or whether how much time I should put into stuff. So I feel like this record is a really good. That's the value of this record is the process and that it, you know. It's, you know, I, it's it's had the kind of response I've wanted all my albums to have, which is, you know, fuck. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And I always thought I'm, all of them would do that. But then this one, but that's all maturity. That's all comes with age. But I, I, I still, you know, had to do a couple things differently or not, you know, because I don't have any money. My record was made for no money on borrowed time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As per usual. But... 
I was able to be very, you know, clear and schedule and who's playing on what. And that's, that's, that was, that was what, that's what my favorite thing about this record was. And I have such a huge roster of women to pull from now. I can say, you know, you're the best at the garage rock sounding drum kind of Charlie Watts, Steady Eddie. You're the best at the slam jam monster truck rally. You're the best <laughs> at the Hal Blaine, you know, Ronette's vibe. And I could put them on those songs, yeah. and they want to be there, and they get paid, and they don't give me any shit. They just walk in. What's 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 the song, boss? Here you go. How you like that? Oh, step it up notch. Okay. Check. There you go, bitch. Bye. <laughs> you know. I lo- you know I love when I when I saw you and was sort of taken by what I saw, and it was right when you started talking about the new album coming out. I felt. In talking about who you said who rock and roll is for, I felt like I did in high school when I was sort of like repeatedly called queer and had the shit kicked out of me. Yeah. When, you know, you find those particular things and you're like, oh, that's home. Like these are like if these people were here with me, they wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I feel like that's 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 an amazing energy to project. Like yeah. that's an amazing it's like an amazing welcoming energy that is not at all like people can try to be not commercial and that's not an objective like to to create an alternative space is like is an amazing feat yeah you did you you did that for me so thank you good (laughs) yeah i mean that's always like you know that's the thing it's like you know part of what i do is always going to be taboo and it's always going to be salacious so but it's not it's not an intentional thing. And it's also not meant to be elitist. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or un like welcoming to anyone. But, you know, it's meant to exist for the people who need it. And when they show up and they pay five dollars, that's what they get. And it's my house as long as I'm in it. You know? So act right, you know? Because I think that's what pisses me off about rock and roll in its current state is like people still think that it has to be about Substance abuse, uh, sexism, misogyny, and, like, you know, idiot stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't. Like, that's not what rock and roll was when it started. That's not what rock and roll was when it was at its best. That's what rock and roll turned into because mm-hmm. y'all got lazy, you know. <laughs> and I'm not lazy, you know. And I just like to – I relate it a lot to when Lemmy was writing songs and he thought he sounded like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think I sound like the Ronettes. Yeah. Or, but that's the thing is, like, I don't, I also don't write the same song twice. So that's, I think, also been something that people have not appreciated about me, which is should be appreciated. Like, I literally hear a song or an idea, and I'm like, I want to do a song like that. You know, like, I think my whole new record sounds like Robert Palmer. Mm-hmm. It sounds nothing like Robert Palmer. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, but like the vibe is what I'm talking about. The energy, the, you know, intention is there, you know, and like. Well, and fuck Mary Kill could sum up Robert Palmer's entire oeuvre. Fucking genius. The man was a fucking genius. What talk about what an underrated motherfucker. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely And that's right. why I never get mad that I'm yeah. underrated, underappreciated, because I see a motherfucker like Robert Palmer, mm-hmm. who literally produced his own albums, like wrote all his own shit, like just was a fucking, so many fucking hits. Rest in peace. You know, so it's like, you know, it's good to be underrated. It's good to be underappreciated. It's good to have to try. It keeps pushing you. Stays hungry. You stay lean. You stay toned. You know, 
hopefully you stay out of jail. <laughs> that would be nice. But if not, also good for business. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Thank you so much for doing this. Of course. This was awesome. Yes, please buy my new album if you're out there listening. <laughs> um, I'll start making money off of it if you do eventually. So. All right. Like, and actually buy it. Don't just stream it. Buy it, buy stream it. it too. I mean, the do streams both. add up. <laughs> Actually, you know what? If you do what my friend Lori Long does in Tupelo. She goes to the pawn shop, she bought three tablets. Okay, She puts them on in the house, <laughs> she turns them on mute, and she leaves them running for a girl LG. Do that. Uh, I so I can it. start making money off this album. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. All right, everybody, I would like to thank you, the listeners, for listening to National Demystified. I'd like to thank Jesse LaFontaine for all things audio, sound, related, post-production, et cetera, et cetera. Tim Burns for custom illustrations for this show. Remember, Nashville Demystified is made possible by Knack Factory, and we own this town, and we would love for you to follow us and do all those things. Support us however you think we should be supported. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.